the key to faith and believing God for the uncommon has nothing to do with how much faith or how little faith you have, but how much doubt you exist in. When it comes to believing, one of the things that Jesus always worked to do was not address their faith, but address their doubt. And doubt can be the killer of faith. Pastor Martin kicks off a new sermon series entitled Faith for Uncommon Expectations. In today's message, he talks about believing God to see the uncommon. Follow along in Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28, as Pastor Martin explains. Now, as I was selecting this particular text and this particular story, there's much to be unpacked, and we're, we, won't, we won't do that because that can be done at another time. But the key element that we wanted to pull from this was to lay the foundation of what she was asking for was uncommon. And, that, and therefore, in the context of this sense of a year of uncommon expectations, we can see that she had some uncommon expectations. The reality that we're going to find in life is that when we look around, we'll see that that which is common and typical will always find itself resting on the roadways of the road well traveled. Most will find themselves not wanting to get out there too far when it comes to faith and believing God. Salvation faith is essential for us to come to Jesus and to receive what he has offered us in the way of salvation. But beyond that, trusting God or believing God for something that we've not already seen him do is where we'll most likely want to stay. Because it is a place of comfort. It's a place in which we are in, in a place of, where, of, of our existing in such a way where we can feel comfortable and at ease. But the reality that we face is that life does not stay in that same place with us. Because life brings things in our lives that are oftentimes outside of what's comfortable for us, but also outside of where we can rest and exist in peace. So the key in, this con in the context of our study this month will be looking at this sense of faith for the uncommon. Because if we're going to trust or look to God for uncommon things in 2023, it's going to require one thing and one thing key to all of that will be faith. Now, when you talk about faith, oftentimes it seems intimidating because in most of our cases, we would look around and we would say, Pastor Martin, I don't believe I have enough faith. The disciples found themselves in the same place because they at one point said, Lord, increase our faith. But I've come to encourage your heart today to let you know that if you have enough faith to believe God for salvation, you have all the faith you need. Yes, and that the key to faith and believing God for the uncommon has nothing to do with how much faith or how little faith you have, but how much doubt you exist in. Well, 
Because when it comes to believing, one of the things that Jesus always worked to do was not address their faith, but address their doubt. The father, a father, another example, a father comes running to Jesus. Well, he, first he comes to the disciples. Jesus is up on the mountain of man, uh, being tr transfigured in front of the disciple, uh, Peter, James, and John. And as they're coming down from the mountain, they see a crowd gathering, and, they, and a man jumps up and he says, Lord, I ask your disciples to help my son. But they could not do it. So Jesus stands in front of the man, and notice this now. He asks the man a question. He says, but do you believe I can do it? And here is what the man says. He says, Lord, I believe, but help my doubt. He said, the reason I came to your disciples is because I believe y'all had some help for me. But the problem is, Jesus, as he asks a question, he says, how long has your son been like this? He says, since he was a little boy. So the man was dealing with longevity of his problem. And then he had now made the effort to come to the disciples to ha and had no result. So now he's struggling. He says, I came believing, but now that I've gotten out here and it didn't turn out like I thought, now I'm starting to doubt. He said, Lord, I'm believing still, but I need some help with my doubt. Jesus was always after because any time you believe God, it pleases him. So notice this now. Because if we were to take a poll, I would say, how many here would say you felt like at some point you failed in believing God? You might, don't raise your hand. And Lord forbid if we ask you to, to, to say how many times, you know, oh, oh. But let me tell you this, and I hope you take this with you because as we're going to talk about faith all month, I want this to resonate in your heart. There is no failure in faith. Wait a minute, Pastor, I was believing, and I started to doubt. The reason that I say that there is no failure in faith because every time you believe, God is pleased. So even when you have believed and you gave up, when you start believing again, God is pleased again. So the reality of the man coming and asking for his son, he says, I'm here, but I have doubt. And Jesus said, hey, you failed the test. You and your son go on. He said, Lord, I believe help my unbelief. So as we look at this today, my hope will be to help encourage you to understand that you may believe and have believed and it didn't work out well. You say, man, God, I don't know if I'm going to get out there again like that. Here's what the writer of Hebrews says. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So the reality that we have is that 
God is always looking to be pleased with faith, not disappointed with doubt. Because here's the thing. The reason there's no failure in faith because he already knew you wouldn't believe. The Bible says he knows the beginning and the end. It only surprised you when you gave up on your faith. It didn't surprise him. He wasn't like, oh, 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 I thought you had it this time. He says, no, I know. But come back again with faith. Because believing God for the unexpected requires us to be courageous. Now, I want to make this clear because as we start talking about faith and we start to, well, there are those who are, who teach faith from the wrong perspective. They almost teach reckless faith. Faith that does not take into account the things around. For instance, we talk about faith. I mean, we start talking about faith today. And you might say, hey, I'm believing God. And go out here and you say, I'm going to believe God to stop this, this bus when I step out in front of it. We'll have you stretched out right here. In about two, what does it take, two or three weeks to get the, 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 the arrangements together? We'll have you stretched out here. We'll be, we'll be grieving. She believed God. Because even Jesus didn't do that. Here's what happens. While Jesus is being tempted the 40 days before he starts his ministry, here's what Satan tells him to do. He says, listen, the Bible says that he'll give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways lest you dash your foot against the stone. He says, so, so jump off this cliff. Just jump off. Because the Bible says that he'll, his angels will catch you, right? Jesus says, the Bible also says, thou should not tempt the Lord thy God. See, there's a difference between recklessness and faith. So I can be reckless by jumping out to say, well, I'm going to believe God to stop this bus. Stop in the name of Jesus. And as they run over you, we'll be running out there crying. But faith does require us to be courageous. Because here's what we see in this scene. There's a woman that comes to Jesus and she has a need. And she is desperate in her need. She comes to Jesus, she recognizes her position and place, but she comes to Jesus and she's asking for him to help her. She gets there and then Jesus says to her, you're not on the list of those that I'm supposed to be blessing. <laughs> or, in other words, here's the commonness of what's going to happen. I'm, going, I'm here for the children of Israel. You're not on that list. You're not among them. What you're asking me to do is uncommon. But the woman is courageous enough, first and foremost, to come and ask. Just courageous at first is to say, hey, listen, I need you to help me. Because faith will require you not to be reckless, but to be courageous. She was courageous enough to make her petition known to God. How many times do we hold back of stepping out of the boat? 
Because remember now, Jesus comes walking on the water. The disciples are in the boat. We know there's at least 12 of them. And he, he acknowledges, hey, it's me. It's not a ghost. They thought it was a ghost. He said, it's not a ghost. It's me. But notice this. One out of 12 said, Lord, if it is you, bid me to come to you. And in my opinion, it's probably the most unlikely, Peter. But he was courageous. Peter, Peter was courageous. He would get out there and get ahead of himself oftentimes. He'd put his foot in his mouth. But he was willing to be courageous enough to just believe that God could do anything. Now, we oftentimes focus on Peter and we say, Peter, yeah, he walked on water, but he sank. Don't skip the walk. <laughs> Don't skip the walk now. No, I mean, you over there, you already with him going down. But you, you, wait a minute, he walked. The Bible says he walked. And watch this now. He walked long enough to get within arm's length of Jesus. Wait a minute. Peter walked far enough that when Jesus reached out, he was close enough to get him by the hand. So don't doubt the fact that he trusted God, but oftentimes life happens. And as life starts happening, we start to question God's power. But Jesus didn't throw him under the bus. He said, Peter, why did you doubt he wasn't mad at him. He went after his doubt. Because that's always our challenge, our doubt. How much do we carry with us? Sometimes we, we hide under the guise, I'm a, I'm a realist. I'm a realist, I just, you know, I'm rational as my, in my thinking, and as I look at this, I can't rationalize how God could do this. Here's the problem. If it can be explained, it's not a miracle. If somebody can explain how it worked out, then it's not God's hand. Do you realize? You got a headache and aspirin or Tylenol or Motrin will help you. You don't go dancing around saying, it was a miracle. <laughs> My headache is gone, it's a miracle. No, I took two of these and called me in the morning. <laughs> Take two of these and lay down for a little bit, three an hour or so, you'll feel better, right? But it's only when what you need God to do is outside of what's common that you begin to say, God, I believe you to do something uncommon in my life. So let's start with point number one for today. The first thing we see here is that she had an improbable set of circumstances. Her predicament was improbable. Look at this improbable, rather. Look at, look at verse 24 and 
26. But he said to her, I was not sent except for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Verse 26, but he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread from what to the little dogs. So he sets it up and he says, listen, what you're asking for is not common for me to do. It's unusual. What your request is is an un unusual request. As I said, as we believe God throughout the year to see him do something uncommon, that means we have to trust and believe him in ways we've never trusted him before to see him do things we've not seen him do before. But oftentimes, we come into our time of need with the script. Come on, let's be honest. Your friend told you what she did, and you're doing it. Hey, what's the formula? Let me try that. Or we look, and see, look to see God do it the same way he did it for someone else. Understand, testimonies are not for you to write down the prescription. It's for you to be reminded that the God who worked it out can work it out for you. Amen. See, when I begin to put the limits on God, I'm telling him how he's supposed to help me. Yeah. Yeah. But a songwriter fixed that a few years back. He said, any way you bless me, Lord, I'll be satisfied because I know that whatever you do it, you're going to do it right. Yes. So we oftentimes come to faith journeys with a script. We want it to be done a certain way at a certain time. God, if you're going to work on it, work on it like this. Now, here's what I've come to understand about master craftsmen. They don't like amateurs telling them what to do. A master, you, you go in and you're going to tell the doctor what, you know, doc, I'm feeling, I got a little pain on my right side. Got something going down, some shooting pain down my left side. Just prescribe me some, um, any doctor will say, okay, well, if you already knew, then why are you coming here, right? <laughs> Yet, oftentimes, when we come to believing God, whether it's spoken or unspoken, we kind of have some expectations of how he's supposed to do it. And yet he says, I am the master craftsman. I just need you to trust me. Because the other part of that is, how many times have you gone, the doctor prescribed something, and you didn't take it? <laughs> I've gone, I said, oh, I don't know. I don't know if this, don't, I read it this way. Google online, you know, this is it. <laughs> you, sure, you sure this was for me? <laughs> but the reality of coming to God in faith, of believing him, is that we have to trust who he is and what he's able to do based upon what he's already done. So we see first she's got an improbable request. Point number two is that she has an uncommon expectation. Look at verse number 22. And the woman of, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, 
son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. So she's coming. She's got an improbable situation because she's not included in those whom Jesus is, is dealing with at that time. But then she recognizes who he was. Look what she says. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. She's, what she was saying is that, listen, I know a little bit about you, Jesus. I ain't just coming because I heard about what you're doing. I have come because I know a little bit about who you are. See, when we come asking God, we go to him because we believe he can do something about it. If we're going to pray, let's not just pray because it's a great activity. Let's pray with expectation. God, I'm believing you to do something. Verse 25 said, then she came and said, so even after she had been ignored and maybe in, some, uh, in many ways insulted, notice what she did. Because oftentimes when we come believing God, when it don't happen as soon as we want it to happen, we lay back. We, did, we close the blind. We ain't answering our phone. I ain't tuning in on Sunday. <laughs> and I surely ain't driving over there <laughs> to be in church. But the woman had an expectation, and the expectation motivated her action. She came afterwards, after it hadn't worked out like she thought. The Bible says she came and worshiped. She didn't get all offended and mad and upset. I'm disappointed with God. Why? Time ain't run out yet. He still could be working without you knowing. The woman, she cries after worship. She says, help me, Jesus. I'm going to put it all aside because you know how it is. We start out, we start strong. Father, in the name of Jesus, I am your servant, your daughter who sings in the choir at your church. I lead the song, God is able. I am the one who's been walking with you since I was a child in Sunday school. I did my poems. I always did my Easter poem. I've been with you a long time, Jesus. But when the heat turns up, none of that comes to mind, does it? Uh, uh, I'm always impressed with those who can, can pray, you know. Father God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who spoke into nothing and made something, the God who looked out and said, let it be, and it was. But when the heat turns up, none of that comes to mind, and the woman said, Lord, help me. See, when you have an expectation, you come and you're not trying to be cute. You're trying to get help. God, help me. Do something for me, Jesus. I don't know who else you got to bless, but don't forget about me, Jesus. So she says, hey, 
I know about the children of Israel, but, but don't forget me, Jesus. Help me. So that brings us to a question. What brought her to Jesus? And the obvious is there. We know she's got a problem. Her daughter's demon-possessed. She's saying, Lord, I need some help. She comes. But I may be putting words in her mouth a little bit, but I believe the answer to that question goes beyond her need to what informed her expectation. The answer I'd like to believe is she came to Jesus because he is the God of ability and the master of possibility. Wait a minute. He's the God of ability, but he's the master of possibility. Where did you get that from, Pastor? Well, Ephesians chapter number two, number three, verse 20, it says, now unto him who is God of ability. Watch now. He is the God of ability because it said, now unto him who is able. That's the root word of ability. Watch this now. To do that's expectation. He can do. He not, he's not somebody that you come to that can't help. He said he is able to do. Here's where the possibility lies. He said exceedingly, abundantly, above all. Here it is, here it is, here it is. You ask or that's where the possibility rises. He is able to master whatever you need him to do. So here's how you can frame it up. He's able to do whatever it is. Your it may be different than my it. See, I, I, my it may not be like your it. But whatever it is, he's able to do whatever it is. But he says something that's important at the end of that verse. He says, according to the power that's at work in you. He's the master of possibility, but the possibilities are endless when we are willing to trust him beyond what's common. Turn, if you would, to John, 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Because when you say the power that's working us, the power that's at work in you is your faith. That's the power that's work, that when Paul says, according to the power that's working in us, he, he's referring to the faith in us. So when I told you earlier, if you believe God for salvation, you have enough faith. You have all the faith you need. The biggest challenge is to work through doubt. We'll talk about doubt later, but I want to say this. Because when we look here in, first, in this first um, letter of John, 
in verse 5, chapter 5, verse 4, he says, for whatever, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory. Hear this now. This is the victory that overcomes the world. What? Our faith. Because when we find ourselves believing God, the things in life around us will feed our doubt. Thus, we have to be intentional about feeding our faith. So here's the thing that we have to know when we come to God. When Paul says he is able, here's some ables that he is. He's, he's able to provide. Number one, able to provide, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, he says, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you have all sufficiency in all things. So he's able to make sure that you're provided for, that you have all sufficiency in all things to do good works. He's also able to keep you. Jude chapter 24, 8 said, now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory. He is also able to, as a, as a keeper, he is able to keep us. The question is, do we desire to be kept? Because see, sometimes we're kind of flirtatious. We like flirting with that other stuff. We like flirting with things that ain't, ain't so godly Amen. are we flirting because you know what that means flirtation means you know hey hey how you doing i mean you know i ain't doing it but <laughs> i could do a little bit of that if i uh, you know I, I i ain't doing that no more i mean i'm 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 i'm, 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 I'm. cuz he's willing to keep you but you got to be you know you, you can't be out there searching for another trying to find some other things. He says, my joy, the joy of the Lord is your strength. He's trying to find joy in other things. So he wants, he's willing to keep, but we can't be flirtatious and try to always flirt for something new to fill the gaps. Uh-huh. I know you. You're out there. You've been praying for this law to pass about marijuana. Mm. Get out of my house, Pastor. The question we have to always ask ourselves, not whether it's legal or not, but is it godly? Is it godly? Because we are now those who are concerned with pleasing God, not just self-pleasure. I'm going to leave it alone. Y'all are, oh. I thought we were talking about faith here, Pastor. <laughs> Because it takes faith to trust God's word to know that whatever I do needs to please God. Still talking about faith. Let's move on. He's able, <laughs> because here's what the word says. If you draw nigh to God, he draws nigh to you. So here's, this, here's what happens. That desire to be more like Jesus causes me to desire to be closer to him. Yeah. To be closer to him. He's also able to save. 
Number three, Acts chapter 16, verse 31 and 30, he says, and he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? This is a situation, this is, this is that one we've talked about oftentimes in songs, how uh, Paul and Silas prayed in the prison and the prisoner came running. This is the prisoner running and saying, Lord, what must do I believe? They, what, what must I do to be saved? Running to them. And they say to him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You shall be saved, you and your household. So he's able to save. He's also able to protect. Psalm 91, that's a blessing for you. Uh, if, you're ever, if you're ever blessing your home, you move into a new home or an apartment, I would encourage you to, to, read, to walk through your home, read Psalm 91. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the south. That's his word. He, ta- he speaks of, he says, he will keep your dwelling. It's always a good one. Amen? But he's able to protect Psalm 91, verse 1 through 4. Here's another one. He's also able to heal. Exodus 15 and 26, he says, I am the Lord your God who heals you. Isaiah 53 and 5 says he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we're healed. We see that he is able to heal. So when we know him to be able, we trust him to be just that. Notice we covered five key areas of life. We all want to make sure we've got enough. When we feel sick, we want to be healed and well. When danger presents itself, we want to know we're protected. We know that we're not going to be tossed aside and thrown away, kept. Because all of us want that sense of security. And he's able to be all of that just for you. My last point for the day, and I'm done. Faith for the uncommon, because notice she has the faith to believe. Look at what Jesus responds to her. Look at verse 27. 28. And she said, yes, Lord, let even, but even the little dogs eat from the master's table. Here's what I want to ask you today. Do you have crummy faith? Come on, Pastor. Do you have crummy faith? Not crummy faith. Crummy faith is there, I get some terrible faith. But do you have crumby faith? Faith that even crumbs will satisfy you. Because here's what she said. She said, listen. Yes, Lord. I may not be having a seat at the table, but even the crumbs of whatever you do for me will be enough for all that I need. Oh, I hear a woman that came with an issue of blood. And she came running and said, I don't need to hug Jesus. He don't need to lay hands on me. But if I could just touch the hem of his garment. Crumby faith. Say it with me. Crumby faith. You just need enough faith like a crumb. That you can say, God, give just a little bit of what you do. Falls to me. It'll be more than I need. I heard a preacher say that one drop of blood is enough to heal your entire body. So he says, then Jesus answered and said to her, 
oh woman, great is your faith. And notice what he says to her. Because you've believed and not doubted, he says, what you desire, let that be done for you. We've been talking about uncommon expectations because the key is that in believing God and trusting him, the question we must ask ourselves always is, can he do it? And if your answer is he can do it, then that's enough for you to believe. That wraps up another awesome word. If you're in need of prayer, counsel, or if we can assist in any way, please don't hesitate to ask. If you would like to join, contact us, or receive these and other sermon notes, visit us at amitybc.org. Until next week, be blessed.